The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, church. How you doing today? Come on, let's wake up in this place. How you doing today? Good to see you. It's so good to be back. My family and I have been on vacation for the past few weeks, and it's good to be back home, back doing what I love most, which is preaching. And so I'm so happy that you're here today. If I haven't met you, my name is Andrew, and my wife Amanda and I would love to meet you after service today in the lobby and meet your family if you have kids, because we love kids, and the more the better. And so uh, if we've yet to meet you these past few weeks, because we've been gone, we would love to do that today uh, and, and get to know you a little bit better. One of the things that we wholeheartedly believe in here at the Grove Church is we believe in the power of prayer, and uh, that's primarily why we always redundantly talk about the Connect card. It's not because we're going to show up to your house and stalk you and uh, do weird things to your home. It's really just an opportunity for us to partner with you in prayer and to believe in faith that God's going to work in your life on your behalf. And so if you're facing anything like we said in worship today that you're needing God to move in, I would ask that you just write it on that card and uh, we're going to battle for you in prayer this week on those cards. But yeah, it's so good to be back and uh, back into the, the fold and back doing what I love. Um, we're going to finish this series today called Not a Hostage. Today we're talking about identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. And, and as we remind ourselves of this, it's this awesome opportunity for us to recognize that we're not hostages to the things that sometimes come against us. We're not hostages to our feelings that sometimes can lead us down a, a, a bad path. We're not hostages to our fears. We're not a hostage to our problems. And we need to be reminded once again today of who we are in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? All right, the more you amen, the shorter I preach and the better, okay? So just so you know, all right? If you wanna get home and have lunch and go to the lake, all right? Need the feedback, all right? Or so we're going to be here all day. Um, when I was a teenager in our youth ministry, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian home, had awesome parents. Uh, my mom's here today, amazing uh, mom and dad who love the Lord. And uh, when I was growing up, uh, as, as a teenager, I grew up in like youth group and, and youth ministry, and it was always on, on Wednesday nights. And Amanda and I, this is where Amanda and I really met each other. We knew each other when we were little kids, like eight, you're not eight nine years old. Um, but we really kind of started liking each other when we were teenagers. And, and obviously, right? I mean, you can see why. But um, anyways, so about 13, 14 years old, we had this opportunity through our, through our youth pastor. Uh, his name was uh, Pastor Donnie. We had this opportunity to, uh, he was putting on, basically with our youth ministry, he was putting on what he called obstacle course. It was like a, a 13-week discipleship program um, where, where it was pretty intense, if I think back to it. And it was like, uh, it involved um, serving and basically being a slave to the church. Um, it involved uh, memorizing of scripture. Uh, it involved, you know, reading different books. A few of the books that uh, we were asked to read, one of them was a real old book. Maybe some of you have read it, um, if you're old as dirt. And that is uh, Heinz Fetus Heim Places or Heinz Feet in High Places. That was one of them. It's like an allegory about a, a deer and I don't know, but then the deer gets saved. It's weird. Anyways, but we had to read one of those books. Um, we read a book called Ever Increasing Faith by Smith Wigglesworth, who, you know, just saw God move powerfully through miraculous healing and, and the power of God working in people's lives. And so we had to read that book. And, um, 
you know, it was just, we would go on different discipleship outings. You'd go to, the, you know, some of the, the Granite Falls and, and see waterfalls. And then, the, you know, that would, then they would teach us a lesson about, you know, God's spirit while we looked at the waterfall. So it was like this, like this intense schooling, 13-week thing. And it was awesome because it was every single week through the summer. So I got to see Amanda all the more. So obviously we both wanted to be a part of it because we both got to see each other. So uh, there was a little bit of some hidden intentions there. But it was really in, in that season of my life. I'm 33 now, definitely getting old. And um, my wife keeps saying I have a lot of gray in my beard, which is so mean. So I've told her that anytime she has evidence of old age, I'm going to tell her. Um, so we have this agreement. But it was, it was, in, it was here that I learned most strongly um, that to talk about spiritual warfare and darkness. It, it, was, it was in this season of my life where this idea of spiritual warfare or this idea that there was darkness around or that we had to battle against it was a pretty common thing when I was growing up in our church and in kind of our tribe. And it was in these seasons of my life where I was really taught and mentored and shown what it really meant to go before God and and pray and ask him to move on your behalf. And it was, it was, it was a place where our faith was increased. It, it was an opportunity where it was modeled by our pastors and our leaders that we could believe God for the impossible and that he could perform and do something that's uncommon and unexplainable. And it's funny now because if I think in 2019, here in a summer in August, um, it, it, the, the idea of me even bringing up the terms darkness and spiritual warfare, automatically, this will be your last Sunday, right? You're like, okay, they're the weird people. We found them and we're done. And it's interesting because whenever we talk about spiritual darkness or spiritual warfare or the devil or demons or the schemes of the enemy, everyone wants to get off like the, the, the Looney Tunes and the Cuckoo Bird type things and think that somehow none of this exists. And yet I remember as a teenager recognizing that it was a really real thing. It was in this season of my life where I, I put to memory scriptures and some of them I've been trying to memorize again as I've been preparing for this message. But I, I learned scriptures like, no weapon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. And I remember, and, and again, based on your background and your tradition, maybe your prayer time in your church, if you grew up in church, was, was kneeling and, and being kind of somber and in solitude towards God. And obviously God responds and, and hears those prayers. And, and that's one way to pray. And some maybe feel like they want to stand and, and they want to pray. Or some maybe feel like, but it was, in, it was in this kind of season of my life, not to freak anybody out, to where I would find myself just kind of, you know, we, we, I don't know, we would just pace and, and we would pray. You know, so we would, we would just find these times during obstacle course, and there's probably about 30 students, and, you know, it was like, it was on your card, so you had a test coming up, so you had to memorize it. It was like, man, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And it was, it was this, these powerful words that, that they wanted us to get our, get our hearts a hold of. 
Another one very common, John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And so it was in this season of my life and my tradition that I would walk and I'd you know, pray and I'd ask the Lord, God, I thank you, Father, that the enemy comes to steal and, and to kill and to destroy, but I thank you, Lord, that you have come to give me life and life more abundantly. And just by quoting Scripture, if you've never practiced the art of just quoting Scripture, you can already see see that it just increases your faith. You just, you're, you're saying the words of God, but they're coming alive to you because you know them inside of your heart. Another one that is very famous out of Ephesians, kind of a long one and maybe a little bit uh, more old school for some of us here, but it, it, was, it was a powerful one and it, it, it had to do with the armor of God. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual host or wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate breastplate of righteousness and having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which which is with you to be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and you can kind of tell that this is like weapon language here you can kind of tell that there's this, this battle going on. There's this battle raging for our lives. And I'm here to tell you today that there is a battle going on. And the battle is for your soul and for your family. And what the devil wants more than anything is to get you to believe that he does not exist and that he is not real. And that's why we don't like talking about this because we want to deny that there's anything dark going on, and if we give our life to Christ, that our life with Christ will just be peaceful and calm and everything will be okay. And yet I want to encourage you and get you to understand today that there is a battle that is happening in our world. C.S. Lewis wrote a very powerful book. I love to read, and he's one of my favorites, but he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. Maybe you have read this book. And he it's kind of a difficult book to understand. I don't need to necessarily explain all that it were, how it works, but he just basically wrote this. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Basically, he was talking and explaining that what we could think to ourselves is that if we deny that there's a spiritual realm, if we deny that there's spiritual battle going on, if we deny that there's spiritual warfare going on, then that's the very thing that the devil would want us to do. 
Now what we believe in Scripture is that when Christ died and rose again, he conquered death, sin, and the grave. And the Bible says that Satan is no longer in control. That God is the Lord and reigns supreme over our lives. And so even when we think about the statement, not a hostage, it is a statement declaring that we can find victory over our fears, over our feelings, over our addictions, over our problems, because in Christ, I am now a new creation and I'm free to walk in the mercy and the grace of God. I'm no longer a hostage. This is why I so believe that you are not what people say about you. This is why I so believe that you have the ability to change, not in your own power, not in your own strength, not in your own goodwill, or not even in your own positive energy and words, but you have the power to change from the inside out because of the work of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And so today what I want to do is I want to build our faith to understanding who we are in Christ So we can walk out of here realizing, I didn't know I was all that in Christ. I didn't know that I had all these weapons at my disposal. I I didn't know that God viewed me in such an amazing way and that he loves me this much. And so I got a lot of verses for you today. I have a lot of scripture and a lot of points I want to make, excuse me, but I want to pray first. So let's bow our head. And pray today. God, I thank you so much that in you, we have victory, God. That in you, God, we have hope. That in you, God, we have breath and life and we trust you for it, God. And I thank you, God, that, Lord, the way we can overcome our fears, our doubts, our insecurities, the things that try to hold us hostage will be to be reminded today of who we are in you. And I pray today, God, we would walk out of here feeling your encouragement, feeling your transformation, transforming power, excuse me, feeling your peace. And we trust you for that in your good name. All God's people said, Amen. If you're taking notes, <clears throat> I want you to write down Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. It says, number one here, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And it's by grace that you have been saved. Number one, because you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, or maybe are interested in putting our faith in Jesus Christ, we are now alive in Jesus Christ. Bible says here that we have been dead to our trespasses. We've been dead to the sin where it's gone. It's out of our lives because of Christ. And we are alive in him. It means that we have breath in our lungs to worship like we did moments ago. It means we can wake up every day knowing that what God has done in us is good and his perfect will is for us. It means that we are no longer hostage to whatever thing or situation or sin that tries to come against us. We are alive in Christ. Talking about identity here. 
Number two here, we are free from sin. Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. We're free. We're free from sin. We're free from bondage. We're free from being a hostage. We're free from sin. We're no longer held by those things. When Christ came and lived a life and took his sin upon our, our sin upon the cross, he set us free from sin and we have freedom. In one, in one uh, gospel of John, it says, if the son has set you free, come on, you are free indeed, right? It's that freedom. We are free from it. It no longer has authority over our lives. Identity, who we are in Christ. Number one, we are alive in Christ Jesus. Number two, we are free from sin. Number three, we are far from oppression and we will not live in fear. In righteousness, you shall be established, Isaiah wrote. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it, not, for it shall not come near you. Psalms, David wrote, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. It's this incredible reminder that fear is a very powerful thing. Fear has a way of paralyzing you and bringing you to your knees. Fear has a way of making you think the unimaginable and assume that that outcome is always gonna be that outcome. Fear has a way of gripping you to being guilty to have any joy and feeling ashamed to find any meaning or virtue in life when you're afraid. And yet, in our identity with Christ, when we became his sons and daughters, we have been free from fear. You shall not fear, and it shall not come near you. But I love this. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. It's almost like, if this happens, then I do this. It's like an if-then statement. If I don't seek the Lord, I will be afraid. If I don't give my fears over to God, I will live in paralyzing fear. But when I seek the Lord, when I draw near to him and he draws near to me, when I remind myself in my spirit whose I am and who I belong to, the Lord will answer me and he'll deliver me from every fear. I do not have to be afraid. We do not have to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid about my future college situation. You don't need to be afraid of what's gonna happen tomorrow. 
You don't need to be afraid when you send your little ones off to school in just a few weeks and worried and scared and wondering if they're going to be okay. You don't need to be afraid when your 16-year-old gets their driver's license and pulls out of your driveway. Well, maybe you need to be a little afraid. But, but, but this fear is not of God. And this oppression and this heaviness that sometimes comes against us is not of God. We are far from oppression and we will not live in fear. Number four, we are born of God and the evil one does not touch me. First John 5.18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Ooh, I like this one. That when you're born of God, you choose a life of righteousness, you choose a life of holiness, you try to walk out your faith with as much fear and trembling, trusting in God, although we're sinful and we fall short of the glory of God. And as we're born of God, we do our best to not keep on sinning. And when we sin, we repent and come back to God and make things right with him. It's called the power of reconciliation with God our Father. It's this ongoing process where we're becoming more and more like Christ. But as I choose to not walk in sin and I choose to walk in his life and I choose to make the right decisions and the right choices with my life, I'm born of him and the evil one does not touch me. The evil one does not come near me. The evil one has no power and authority over my life. Why? Because God is protecting me and watching over me because I'm choosing to submit to his will for my life. Can I hear an amen? See, although I might have freaked you out at the beginning and you're like, spiritual warfare, darkness, We'll see you never again, right? But what I'm telling you here today is that there is victory in the name of Jesus. And there's hope in the name of Jesus. If I haven't scared you yet, this one will. Um, Number five here, I have received the power of the Holy Spirit and he can do miraculous things through me. I have authority and power over the enemy in this world. Luke 10, 17 through 19. It says the 72 uh, returned with joy. This is when Jesus sent out the 72, two by two, to minister. It says, uh, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them, for they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Don't worry. There's, there's no snakes here at the church, okay? No one's, okay, don't worry, all right? No one's drinking any weird poison or handling any snakes, okay? We're not that weird, okay? So 
Might have already lost you, but might have won you back with that one, okay? We're not doing any of that weird stuff. But what, what, what Jesus was reminding them, what God was trying to teach the disciples in their early days of understanding what it meant to believe God, is that when they followed Jesus, they were given authority. When they were following Jesus, they were given power. When they were following Jesus, nothing was going to come against them. And there was going to be times and situations where they needed to be reminded that they have authority and victory in Jesus. And that when people are sick, they can pray the prayer of healing and see them recover. And when people are fighting depression and anxiety and can't sleep at night and have tried every medication, they can come before the living God and his people and believe that they can now have a peaceful night in their home. He was reminding them that they have received the power of the Spirit, that they have this authority to do miraculous things, and that they have the authority and the power over the enemy in this world. Continuing on here, just talking about who we are in Christ, identity. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, I love this one. Because what our culture of today will say is, well, you are the way that you are because your grandpa was that way. Well, you're going to struggle with this in your family because this person in your family, and that's just a part of your blood and just passed down to you. And this just is, is the way that it is. Que Sarah, Sarah, whatever may be, may be. Yet Christ reminds us that when we come boldly to him and we accept his grace and his mercy for our lives, we are now new in him. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'm a new man. I'm a, I'm a new person. My, my past is no longer my past. See, some of us, maybe we grew, grew up in, in a Christ-centered home like I did, and maybe God spared you from the, the rebellion of the teens. Maybe he sp spared you from the rough crowds. Maybe he spared you from situations and circumstances that could have been destructive for your life. And you could sit here like people used to say years ago and say, man, I don't have a testimony of what God's done in my life because I've never done anything bad. So I should go do something bad or spread my wild oats so that I can really understand what people feel on this like pattern of sin and past that's so broken. And then there's some who sit here today and go, man, I've only been a Christ follower for X amount of days, X amount of months, X amount of years. I'm not even a Christ follower today. And I'm not gonna become one after today. But listen, some of us have that kind of past where we go, man, if you had a camera and you knew me a year ago, if you knew me six months ago, if there was people watching and they were giving a, a reality TV show of my life or my childhood or my family, 
Man, my past is full of brokenness. My, my past is full of divorce and decay. My past is full of drugs and alcohol and all sorts of nonsense. My past is full of those things. My, my week ago is full of those things. My three days ago is full of those things. My last night is full of those things. Jesus says, the old has passed away. It's gone. It's gone. You're not the drunk anymore. You're, you're, you're not the wretched sinner anymore. You're not the fearful, depressed, anxiety-filled person anymore. You're not. You're not the, the ugly, overweight, mean words said over you anymore. You are new in Christ. You are his child. You are his daughter. You are his son. And every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. You're new. What happens for us, though, is we struggle so much to live in the new because we always want to look back to the old, right? We struggle so much to go, well, I am, I am new, but, but this thing keeps pulling me back to the things I thought I liked, the things I thought I enjoyed. And so there's this always like this teeter-tottering of feeling like, I feel new, I want to be new, Andrew, but man, it's just this life seems to pull me back here. And that's why you pray. That's why you build your faith. That's why you pray however you feel God has led you to pray. Because you may not feel new today. You may not feel like the past is gone. You may not feel like hope is here. But that's why you pray. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. The same Christ, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. I'm new. I'm so new. I smell like a new car. I'm so new. I'm new. I'm new in you, God. My, my past is not me anymore. I'm not Andrew of two days ago. I'm Andrew of today. I'm not, I'm not that person that dealt with that in high school anymore. I'm new today. Those bondages, those things, those things that try to hold me down, those fears, those thoughts, those things try to weigh me down, that's not me anymore. I'm new. It's amazing when you take on the personality of trying to become a new person, how many people don't believe you're new. You know, you start getting all radical and you tell like your best friend that you found Jesus and you're new and they're like, oh gosh, okay, lost that friendship, you know? It's amazing how many people don't believe in your newness, isn't it? It's amazing how many people don't see you as a new person anymore. It's amazing sometimes even those closest to us, hate to say even our own family, can sometimes only see us in one way and you can't convince them that you're changing. They kind of have that lens and that view, well, you're just that way and that's not going to be, I'm not going to hear anything different. It's why we pray but it's why we surround ourselves with people who pray with us. 
Because it's the people in this room, the people who love Christ, the people who see the good, who believe the best, who hope for the best that go, man, I see how new you're becoming. I see how changed you are. I see that you're not the person you were six months ago. I'm seeing the transforming power of God in your life, and I believe that you're new in him. That's why we need community so much and why we need relationship. Speaking of identity, we are joint heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Man, here's not a popular one. Also, you're saying I'm new and you're saying I'm a child of God and you're saying that my past is gone and the devil can't touch me and I have victory and you're saying all these things about me and then yet you're saying I'm a, a fellow heir and I'm a daughter and I'm in his kingdom and Paul's telling me all these things but then he adds this one line that we're like, hate that. Like, let's skip that line and just go to also be glorified with him. Can we put that back up? Let's skip the seven words in the middle that have to start with the letter S-U-F-F-E-R. See, I, I want to preach so much, and I wish it was true, that when you give your life to Christ, all the storms and the raging sea just becomes perfectly awesome and wonderful. I, w- I want to preach so bad to you. I want to I yell it from the rooftops that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you surrender all of your life to him and you become a true follower of Christ, believing on the message of the cross and the resurrection, I want to preach so loudly to you that everything in your life from that moment forward is just going to work out and be perfect and it's going to be okay and it's all going to be fine and that life will be peaceful and that you won't go through difficult things. And honestly, there's a gospel out there that preaches that. But I'm telling you here today, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, it says if we're going to be children of God, if we're going to walk out our identity with him, there's going to be seasons in our lives where we're going to be going through some things. There's going to be seasons in our lives where the testing of our faith is going to produce character and character perseverance. There's going to be seasons in our lives we're going to have to count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds for the testing of your faith. See, they're all just coming back to me. And there's going to be seasons in our lives where you're going to have the dark night of the soul and you're going to wonder and you're going to question who is God and where is he and why is this happening and what's going on. And it's in those seasons in the dark night of the soul that the testing of your faith is really shown. It's in the season of those lives where the three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fire, right? It's those seasons where Trial and struggle and pressure. We really learn to believe whether or not we believe what we actually say. Like, man, 
There's that Hillsong song we've been singing a lot. It's like, I will praise you on the mountain. It's, it's fun to praise God on the mountain. Oh, it's awesome. I love praising God on the mountain. I love when life is great. I love when the waters are calm. I, I love when it's smooth. I love when there's peace. But the second part of that line, I will praise you on the mountain and I'll praise you in the mountains in my way. Why'd you have to write the second part, dude? You know, I just want to praise you on the mountain. But I got to praise you in the mountains in my way. Last one here on identity. It says we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, here's some fun language. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen? See, what happens sometimes in our lives is we're suffering and we're going through things and we feel this weight and we feel this struggle and we feel doubt and we feel fear and we feel worry and we go down the lines of what if this and what if that and what if this happens and this and that. And then Paul reminds us once again that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us loves us. We are more than conquerors that he's going to bring you through. He's going to show you his truth. He's going to walk every step of the way of your situation and your circumstance and you are a conqueror because you're a son and daughter of God. You are not who people say you are. But this is why we must put to memory to scripture. Because when you suffer and when the mountain's in your way, I don't know how good that feels. It doesn't feel good. And yet he's saying to us today, we're more than conquerors. I'm convinced nothing's gonna separate me from his love. Nothing's gonna separate me from the goodness of God. You see why it's so important to know who you are in Christ. You see why it's so powerful to know who we are in Christ. You see why it's so effective to memorize scripture and to know who you are in Christ. That you have been bought with a price. That you are children of God. That you are the head and not the tail. That you are a gift of God. That you are made in his image. That you have been set free. And that you are loved. This time I'm going to have the worship team make their way up here today and I want to do something here in service. One of the things I've, I've talked about before, I think, I think I've said this once before here at our church, but I, um, I'm going to ask every person uh, just to get a piece of this paper. I'm going to have every person have a, a piece of this paper in their hand. And um, I learned a while back and it's going to take a minute, so worship team's going to start playing some music, and we'll get you all uh, a piece of paper. I want every, make sure every person has one in their hand, but hold on to reading on it for a minute for me. Just kind of hold it in your hand there. I know you will probably want to look down, but just hold on to it for me just for a minute, and I can kind of explain uh, what, what I want to share here. But 
But uh, one of the things that I learned a couple years ago listening to a podcast was a, a pastor uh, who just began to, to recognize that he wanted to write who he was in Christ. And he, he basically called uh, these things, I, I, I declare statements. They, they, they spoke about identity. They spoke about who he was. They spoke about what he believed about himself. And, and he basically started just writing down these different statements of, of, I declare this, and I declare that, and I declare this. And I'm trying to get you to understand, and maybe you, you, you haven't been raised this, but I'm trying to get you to understand that there's real, real power in your words. There's real power in speaking out the name of Jesus. There's power in what we say out of our mouths, and it increases or decreases our faith. But I, I remember him sharing these things, and I thought, oh my word, these are so good. I want to I do this for myself. And so I started kind of writing out my own I, I declare statements, kind of the things that I believe uh, about my life. And some of them have been changed, and I've added some and taken some away. But one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm asking every single person here, and if you're a guest and maybe you know, you're out of town, I met a few people from out of town that are going to go home, I'm going to ask that you do this where you live. And you write this down and you keep this in your Bible or maybe you tape it on the inside of, the, of your Bible and, and you just put it there, you know, right there on, your, on the front of your Bible and, and tape it down. I'm going to ask if you're a young person, old person, I don't care how you old you are, every person can do this. Obviously, parents are going to have to help their kids this week kind of figure out what their statements and what they're declaring over their lives. And theirs may be about, I, I declare I will not walk in fear in school. I, I declare I'm not going to succumb to peer pressure. I declare that me and my boyfriend are going to have purity. I mean, it's going to be based on your life and based on your circumstance and based on what you're facing. But I'm going to ask that you this week take the time to write out your I declare statements. You're going to take these statements, you're going to write them on paper. Maybe you're artistic. You're going to get all creative and cool with it. Whatever you want to do, the artsy, the better. Take it. I want you just to hold on to that and keep it. I'm not asking you to turn it in. This isn't a homework assignment where you get an A. Everybody's going to pass. I'm just asking you to do this because I think this is a powerful thing and an effective thing for you and I to do in our lives. I think this exercise this week that you're all going to do has the power to change literally the trajectory of your life, of your family, and the things maybe that you find yourself accidentally speaking over your life. On the front side of it, it's one pastor's I declare statements, and I want to read those to you here today, and then I'll read you mine. But again, don't be a bad student. Do the exercise this week. One pastor's statements went like this. Everyone have one? Can you wave it at me if you have it? Anyone missing one? Do all my sound guys have one? Media guys have one? Ladies, you got one? All right. All right. One pastor's. He wrote, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and I will lay down my life to serve her. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. 
I develop leaders. That's not something I do. It's who I am. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. I love my job. It's not just a job. It is a calling. I will bring my best and then some. It is what I do after I bring my best that makes the difference. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. Don't read mine yet. Let me talk about a few of these here for a moment. I'm going a little over today on our time. I love the one that says, I love my job. It's not just a job, it's a calling. I will bring my best and then some. It's what I do after I bring my best that makes the difference. I believe that one today, I don't know why it just came to me, but that one today, because I have some friends in the room that are teachers and you work in the schools, that, that one's for you today. That, that, that one's yours today. Because I love it that he says, I will bring my best and then some. And our schools need that some. Our, our students need that some. And I believe that's for you today. Okay, let's turn it over. Here's mine. I'm a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I exist so that others can see Jesus through me. That should not come to any surprise in the room. I am a child of God. That is who I am. I love my wife and I choose to serve her daily. I will find my worth in what God says about me and not what others say about me. I have a loud voice and I'm full of passion. God created me for this reason and I will not be changing anytime soon. Today, today, I will tell someone who I do not know about Jesus and his love for them. I will create a hunger and thirst for God in my home. My children will love Jesus and his church. I believe in the miraculous healing power of God for today. I will pray the prayer of faith over my children, my family, my church, and we will be healed and whole in the name of Jesus. The weather will not dictate my attitude, or my passion for life. I will date my daughters. They will see, know, and understand true godly love by the way daddy models it. And for all my sport fans, I will always be a Steph Curry fan and a Dodgers fan, and MJ is the GOAT. Listen, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the words that we declare over our lives. There's victory and healing when we trust in Jesus. And so right now, I wanna just worship just for a moment. We're gonna prepare for the giving here, but I just wanna worship just for a moment. I want you to sit there just for a moment. Take in all the words of identity in Christ. We're just gonna sit here and worship just for a moment and then we'll transition. Let's sing this. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.